Hello and welcome to Inside Intercom. I'm Liam Geraghty. On today's show, we're joined by Hannah Steinman, President and Chief Strategy Officer at Peak Support. Peak Support is an outsourcing company that specializes in providing customer service teams for high growth companies. Hannah, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Liam. It is great to be here. So let's dive right into today's topic. Why is effective leadership enablement crucial for support teams in high growth companies? Yeah, absolutely. So customer support teams are often big. It could be the biggest team in the company, whether the company is large or small. Uh, So as a BPO, we provide teams as large as 500 agents or more, but we also serve companies that have four or five customer service agents on their team. And for those large companies, if they're scaling, we might have to hire 10 leaders in a month, you know, if the team is growing. But the leadership need on the smaller teams is sometimes just as important or more. So if you're a five-person team, you're a startup, you're growing, you're pivoting. Every day you might be getting questions that you haven't seen before. Every week, every month, you could be pivoting, things are changing. And so you need the right leadership in place to make sure your customer service team can adapt as you scale. And the other reason leadership training is particularly important for the customer experience and customer support industry is that a lot of folks come into this industry without even a college degree. So, you know, most people are coming in without formal leadership training or without having had any leadership training or experience at other companies. It's one of the things I love about this industry is people are working in the industry from the ground up. And so that means that if if you want your leaders to have training, they've got to get it from you. I love that. I suppose speaking about that, like what are some of the common challenges that support team leaders then face in maintaining that kind of exceptional customer experience and how can they enable, you know, address or how can leadership enablement even address these challenges? Yeah, absolutely. So I think one big challenge is proactivity. So, you know, sometimes in, in previous jobs, agents have been taught to follow the rules. You know, they get a rule book this big and, and they are taught to follow that and punished if they deviate from it. For us and for our clients, we need people who are willing to raise their hands, willing to think critically about the processes that they're being told to follow and willing to say, hey, you know what? I don't think this makes sense. I think we can do something a little bit better. So that's a big thing is training or in some cases retraining people that we want them to be proactive problem solvers. That's, that's what actually makes this role so valuable. Another piece is ongoing coaching of agents. So another great thing about support is you have so much data and so much customer feedback. So you can say, hey, the agent slipped on this KPI this week. This agent has more DSATs. But all of that data is worthless if you're not actively using it to improve. So training team leads on how to identify performance challenges and then how to actually coach agents effectively. What are, what are effective ways of providing feedback? Final thing I would say is engagement, engaging teams. I mean, we think that happy agents deliver the best results, but engaging a team, motivating team, it's not necessarily a skill that comes naturally to everyone. And a lot of times people have had really bad role models in the past. So you can train new leaders on this. How do you motivate teams? How do you engage teams? What are the best practices there? You spoke about skills there. What are some of the kind of key skills and qualities that support team leaders should possess, I suppose, to, to lead their teams effectively? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I, you know, and I, I guess I should say fundamentally, we believe that leadership can be taught. Leaders are made and not born. And actually, research supports that. Research shows that certain leadership traits 
can be inherited or innate, but the majority of leadership skills can be learned. And that is our experience 100%. So number one, and where we start our leadership training is with proactive thinking. So like I said before, you know, leaders don't say this is just the way it is. Leaders say, I have agency and I can change this. And that's what we want our leaders to do. So setting that clear expectation up front. Second piece is setting a vision. So setting that North Star that the team can work toward. And a lot of that starts with setting a vision for yourself. You know, what is that North Star that you are working towards as a leader? So you can really role model that for your team. The next piece after that would be motivating the team to work towards that vision. Planning. So how do you make and execute a plan to actually get that done? How do you communicate clearly with your team? And then the final piece that we cover is ethics. So a lot of different ethical decisions that that team members and new managers face on a day-to-day basis. So how do we tackle those decisions, those key moments? I love that. In terms of peak support, you know, how do you folks approach leadership development and enablement and to make sure that your support team leaders are, are well prepared for their roles? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, there are a lot of great third-party programs out there. We have chosen for now to build our leadership training internally um, because leadership is so core to what we do. We sell teams of people and we are only as strong as our our line level leaders. For us, it's really important that we're directly involved in how they're trained. So we have a two-day training that new leaders go through. So it's a full day for two days. It covers all the topics that I talked about. We've also done it differently. Um, We've experimented with it over the years. So we used to do it as a session every two weeks and folks would have pre-work and reading to do ahead of time. So it was eight sessions over four to six months. I think that works for a lot of companies. Um, And we actually have our curriculum for that available entirely online. If folks want to download it at our website, peaksupport.io, it's it's in the ebook section. But maybe I can share a link with you, Liam, so you can share it with folks. Yeah. Problem for us is we need to train so many people that a four to six month training program just didn't work. So that makes sense for a lot of companies. For us, what we've done is basically taken that and and condensed it into two days. When there's pre-work, folks are just kind of doing it as part of the program. That's not our only training. We also have some data analysis training. There's additional communications exercises, but that's the core of our leadership training program. That's great. Are there any kind of examples of specific leadership development strategies or programs that you've seen to be particularly successful? Yeah, I think one thing we do that's really successful um, that a lot of companies don't is we have a lot of leaders, the top leaders from the company involved in the training. So we, we used to have either myself or our CEO present in, in every one of those sessions when we, had it, when we had it spread out over four to six months. Now that it's condensed, we're working on a new approach that hopefully involves other senior leaders on the team. But I think that's really important. A lot of C-level leaders would say, oh, that's not my job. I don't have time for that. But for us, engaging with the next generation of leaders is one of the most valuable things that you can do with your time. You're training them, you're teaching them, you're also getting feedback from them, you're building a relationship with them. So they know you and they can come to you if they need to. So for us, I would say that approach to including the senior level leaders has been really effective for us. Then just to pivot slightly, I suppose we mentioned at the top that, you know, we're also going to chat a little bit about change management, because I think it's a topic that I I don't think is as explored as it should be. And, you know, it's often a critical aspect of support operations. What strategies do you recommend for effectively managing change within a support team to maintain that service quality? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So we're dealing with this all the time. You know, we've got 50 clients, so always some of them are going through some sort of 
some sort of change. We also had this internally, we transitioned a thousand contractors to employees. So that was a massive internal change management challenge for us and have a lot of lessons, I would say, that we learned from that, that we now try to apply every time we're implementing change. So one would be getting buy-in. So really engaging key leaders and key influencers first and getting their buy-in because they're going to help get everyone else on board. Another, I would say, is feedback. Um, So we we tend to be very transparent. So for example, um, our CFO, Danny, when he was leading this project, you know, we're changing everyone's pay structure. How people are getting paid is going to change and they're getting benefits, but taxes are being taken out of their paychecks. So it's really, it's a big shift and you got to get it right. Because if you start paying people in the wrong way or that they're unhappy with, you you risk losing you know, a huge chunk of your team. And so we would actually go to people and say, hey, here's what we're thinking of for pay structure. You can have more benefits, but there's going to be a trade-off. Your base pay might be a little lower. Or we could have your base pay right here, but then we might be giving up some benefits here. You know, how much do you value life insurance? How much do you value, you know, X, Y, Z? And so we were very transparent. And our CFO, Danny, at first, he was like, we can't hold a focus group and ask people, how much do you want to get paid? But that's basically what we did. And we got a ton of really valuable feedback from that. And we got buy-in, right? So now people, when we say, okay, here's what we've decided to do, people feel like their voices were heard as part of that process. The other piece I would say is you can't over-communicate. So, you know, every chance that we got, we were talking about what we were doing. We were showing them how the sausage was made so that they were really brought along for the ride and always share the why. I think this is something people forget, you know, but saying, why are we doing this? We're doing this for our clients. We're doing this for our team members who want to have benefits. We're doing this for our long-term stability as a company and reinforcing that every single time. Even if you feel like you've said it a million times, you've got to say it again. So always coming back to the why. Yeah, I, the, the communication factor is just Oh, it's always so important in everything, really. How do you balance the need for innovation and adaptation in support operations with the requirement for consistency and reliability in customer support? Yeah, I think we really feel it's not either or, it's both and. You've got to innovate and you have to be reliable. And actually, one of our core values is invest to grow. So that's one thing that we do is we're always tying it back to that core, to our mission statement and our core values. So our mission is to empower our team to innovate and deliver beyond client expectations. So we're always tying back to that, that our mission is to innovate. Our mission is to deliver beyond expectations. And then our core values, invest to grow is one of them. Aim for wow is another one. So always tying things back to that. And um, you don't just let your mission and core values sit on a shelf or sit on a wall, but you really talk about them. It's it's all part of that sharing the why, that, that piece of the why we're doing this. And I think you you don't just spring a new innovation on your team and expect them to adapt immediately. You also got to be doing all those things we talked about before, be transparent, be getting buy-in, be sharing the why, be getting feedback. So, you know, you have to make sure that they're involved in that change and you don't just say, okay, here, your job is different now, go. You got to really treat your employees like adults. You know, adults want to know why they're doing something and, you know, they want to have agency. They want to be, I mean, kids do too, actually. (laughs) It's really just treating them like a human being. Human beings want to choose. They want to have agency and they want to feel like they're doing something that makes sense. Is, is it possible to keep those support team members and leaders adaptable to change while also maintaining, you know, high quality customer support? Are those things possible at the same time? Yeah, I think so. Absolutely. And, and I think it's, it's partly just reinforcing that need. I mean, 
that, hey, we're going through this change, but in the meantime, we have to deliver because, you know, our, our goal is to adapt to the future. The future is not going to exist if we're not delivering for our clients. Or if you're, if you're a company, a brand, the future is not going to exist if we're not delivering for our customers in the meantime. So I think it's all of those same elements. We've got to be you know, motivating our team to do whatever it is we need them to do now at the same time as we're preparing them for change. Just before we wrap up, I'd love to get your thoughts on AI and customer yeah, support absolutely. because it, it's on everyone's lips. I, I just love to get your take on it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, a couple of years ago, we were trying to get some of our clients to adapt AI and they were not interested. And now a lot of them are interested, which is fantastic. Um, so, you know, our approach is we're working with our clients, those who do want it, a lot of them are still hesitant, but for those who want it, we want to help them implement AI. We, we want it to work seamlessly with our team. We want to be a part of this change to make sure that it's working as optimally for our clients as possible. So we're meeting our clients where they're at. Do they want to improve their existing chatbot, implement a new chatbot with generative AI? Are they more interested in backend efficiencies? Some clients are really wary about having a bot interface with their customers. So we meet our clients where they're at and work with them to implement a solution that'll improve quality, improve efficiency. The key really is you need to do a lot of things to prepare. So you can't just turn the switch on a bot and expect it to work well. You know, it's, it's garbage in, garbage out. So you, first of all, you really have to make sure your whole platform is optimized. So your knowledge base has to be up to date. Your macros have to be up to date. Your processes, your tags, all of that stuff. If that's not really, really clean going in, your bot's just not going to work. You're going to have a dirty bot that's giving, you know, bad answers. It's not delivering you the insights that you need. Um, so optimizing first. The other thing we suggest is automate things you can on your existing platform before you add AI. Because AI, typically, you're, you might get charged per resolution. A lot of that stuff you can automate. You know, existing platforms, even without AI, have a lot of automations built in. And so, you know, we can, we can work with optimizing a platform like Intercom, automating what can be automated before AI, and then implement AI on top of it so that we make sure we're not overpaying for stuff that we could have just done, you know, without AI in the first place. Before we continue with today's guest, I just want to take a quick second to let you know about our amazing archive of podcasts. It's full of insights from thought leaders from the worlds of product management, design, marketing, and a lot more. People like Megan Keeney Anderson. Megan was VP of marketing for HubSpot for over nine years. She joined us to talk about how marketers should adapt their customer acquisition strategies in the age of the internet. Internet will rise and fall and go through different iterations. And our job as content creators, as marketers, is to really study that and stay close to it and adapt. You can hear Megan's episode and lots more on intercom.com forward slash blog forward slash podcasts. Okay, let's get back to today's interview. Absolutely. So that's about your customers. What's next for peak support, though? You know, do you have any big plans, projects coming up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for us, this technology piece is huge. So we want to be able to, we want to be a full solutions provider for CX. We want to be able to provide not just the people, but the technology as well. Um, so, you know, we're partnering with platforms like Intercom that can help desk platforms that also have AI capabilities, as well as other external tools that can provide voice of the customer insights, 
We have a partner called Island, which is a secure browser that we use for all of our remote agents. So we're working on building out partnerships with the best-in-class technologies that are already out there so we can be experts in bringing those technologies to our clients. We are not a technology builder. Our goal is to find all the best technology platforms out there like Intercom, partner with them so we can help bring those to our clients to just improve their customer experience and really bring it to the next level. I love that. But meanwhile, to your point about innovating while maintaining excellence, you know, we're focused on our core business, which is providing the best people, hiring the best people. We hire one in every 30 applicants. Um, So we're really finding the best people out there, training them, putting them on teams with great leaders, and then managing them to be providing exceptional customer support. So we're doing, it's, it's not either or, it's both and, we're doing both. I love that. Lastly, where can people go to keep up with you and peak support? Yeah, absolutely. So um, come to our website, peaksupport.io. Follow me on LinkedIn. I I post as often as I can on LinkedIn. It's Hannah Steinman. That's Steinman without an N. So S-T-E-I-M-A-N. I'm the only Hannah Steinman out there. So you can find me pretty easily. Just just Google my name and you'll find me on LinkedIn. Connect with me, follow me, um, reach out. I'm always happy to chat with support leaders as well. Perfect. I'll put all the links in the descriptions wherever people are listening or watching to the podcast. Um, Hannah, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Liam. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Hannah Steinman. If you did, I'd love if you could let other like-minded folks out there know about it by sharing it on social. You'll find Intercom on Twitter at Intercom and of course on LinkedIn. I'll be back next week with another great episode. I do hope you'll join us. Thanks for listening. This is Inside Intercom.